Game week, Penn State, Wisconsin, one of the most anticipated openers in Penn State history, and I've brought in an expert to help me find out what's going on with the Wisconsin Badgers. Penn State, Wisconsin plays noon Eastern time on Saturday, and the tension has been building. It's going to build all week. Right now, it's roughly an American cheese, one of those craft single slices. It's going to be a sharp cheddar by the time we get to Wisconsin. So I'm welcoming in Jacob Kokorowski from Badgers Blitz, Wisconsin rival site. And I have to apologize first for the awful cheese pun that we started with. So Jake, welcome. And I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's all good. We, we've heard it before here in Wisconsin. We're, we're good with it. We're good with it. It's been, uh, thanks for having me on T Frank. Uh, excited to talk some Wisconsin Penn state and, and what's ahead and what should be a really intriguing, you know, big 10 cross divisional clash. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for September 4th to be here. Quick question uh, to start us off here, because this is going to be, I think a bit of a shell shock for a lot of the Penn state fans who, and, and, and most specifically, actually the Penn state football team who has not been too Wisconsin in the James Franklin era and it's the first game back for anyone in a Big Ten stadium what are you hearing about what the crowd's going to be like on Saturday and what do you expect from the Wisconsin fans and the crowd on uh, at noon on Saturday yeah I mean there's going to be some things that they have some like COVID protocols for for fans where wearing the masks indoors uh, you know I wasn't able to stay for there's a press conference with Jason King who is the uh, one of the associate athletic directors, and he was going to talk about the fans at uh, t- earlier today uh, on Monday. But um, if f- fans go to was it uwbadgers.com or if they go to the uh, Wisconsin Badgers YouTube site, there, I think there's going to be uh, the video up there. Uh, but I think you know, with fans, uh, I think it's going to be pretty busy. It's the first time back. You're going to hear the fans roaring. I think it, 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 the atmosphere will be similar to what we've seen in the past. You know, there are, like I said, there are some protocols when it comes to uh, they have to wear the mask indoors uh, for Wisconsin where, you know, when they're indoors and uh, you know, when they're out, I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's recommended uh, mm-hmm. that they wear masks inside the stadium. But I mean, I still expect big crowds. I still expect um, the familiar sights and smells around Camp Randall stadium. It's one of my, I think one of the things I've missed, uh, and whatnot, and we want to, everyone. We want everyone to be safe too, for that matter. But um, but smelling the bratwurst oh, on yeah. the grill, the burgers, the yeah, even the maybe the semi-stale beer uh, when you hear some of those smells. <laughs> walking back from the stadium after the game. Are you uh, cra- it, are you a craft beer guy or are you a light beer guy? I've craft become, beer or light beer? I've become more of a craft beer. I'm come out kind of a beer snob. Yes. It's been, I okay. Remember my days in college. You know, if you're lucky to get like a Miller high life light. Like you are, you're good, man. Like yeah. you're not getting like the cheap beer from, you know, where in Wisconsin or Madison's like Riley's, which is right off of state street. Um, but for me, you know, I, for those that are traveling to Wisconsin, there are places like, um, new Glarus brewery, which is about 40 minutes Southwest of here. They make spotted cow, which I'm sure I don't know oh, if yeah. people have heard around yep. spotted cow has been very popular. Not their best beer, but it's still a really good beer in my eyes. I love drinking it when I'm out. But they got tons of other beers there. Uh, there's so many breweries within the you know Dane County, Milwaukee, or Madison area, especially in Milwaukee where I'm from. Um, granted, I live in Madison now, but you know it's definitely a lot more of the craft brewery stuff. I like trying out different stuff. Um, I really don't drink more than you know one of the same type of beer in a setting. I want to try different things, and it's my wife's kind of kicked me. Yeah, she's kind of elbowed me in that direction too. She's like, you can't just ha- keep drinking spotted cows. I go, watch me. Uh, but it's 
because that's that's one of them that I can just keep putting down, and, and you know it doesn't, you know, uh, it's not bad. But anyways, yeah. I digress. It's a, you know, there's a lot of good breweries for those that are traveling to Wisconsin within the state. Uh, highly suggest you know checking them out, even just googling them, not just New Glarus, but there's a bunch here in Madison uh, that are well worth your time. So. I'm usually the X's and O's guys here at uh, BWI. This is the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Ryan Carr. He's Jake Kokorowski. We're giving you the inside information on where you should go to uh, get ready for the game with Wisconsin. So all kinds of information on the Daily Edition. I love that. Some early scouting on great places to hit up before the game. Now for the game proper, uh, media day for you was yesterday. So what did you learn from uh, Paul Christ and from the players? Any of the big takeaways from you for Wisconsin yesterday? Yeah, with, with the depth chart, really, I think the big one for Wisconsin came during the uh, really, it was just uh, some things that we saw in fall camp that kind of came to fruition within the depth chart. And that, for me, turned into one uh, Clemson transfer, Ches Malusi. Ches actually, uh, you know, he obviously came from Clemson. He was a former Tiger, ran for about 427 yards, six touchdowns in 21 career games. Uh, was behind Travis Etienne, uh, now who's uh, unfortunately, I think, on injured reserve for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. But he was the number one running back uh, on the depth chart behind, you know, in front of Jalen Berger, who's going to be a redshirt freshman. I think they're, Wisconsin to use both. Uh, and Paul Chris mentioned that, you know, they're in the spot where they're going to need to, you know, have multiple backs play and have them play well. He said during today's press conference, but he praised Malusi's uh, consistency on that end. And, you know, Graham Mertz too, I actually, right before I went on air with you, you know, Graham Mertz said this week too, that, um, I'm just reading this verbatim that the biggest thing with Malusi was just his approach as far as he's going, is he's going to make the most out of every rep when he has it and, and whatnot. And, and reference even um, Wisconsin's got a motto, smart, tough, dependable, uh, and that he, you know, he fits right into what Wisconsin's trying to do with that motto. So I think that was a big call out there. The offensive line, there are injuries during the, during fall camp at the tackle spots. Uh, but the two that were my projected first team came to fruition on there. Tyler Beach, who's back from, from a, a, an ankle injury. And then also uh, he's on the left side. Logan Bruss is on the right side. Uh, but the battle in the middle for the center spot, redshirt sophomore Joe Titman, who, you know, can, I think he benches 430, can squat about 615. He took over the center spot from Caden Lyles. Uh, and we saw that during the last part of fall camp, probably like the last five open practices he asserted himself there uh, and that came to fruition where he's now over this the senior um otherwise not much really changed in terms of wisconsin you know from what we saw on the depth chart from what i had projected the only thing maybe is that the fact that they have six cornerbacks on the depth chart they have two starters in Fayon hicks and caesar williams who are going to be challenged by Jahan dotson and parker washington but also you're all, you're going to see you know Four others, I, I think, will get in the game at some point, just because the amount of nickel packages or number you know, of just how college football is and just what to expect from Penn State. You know, Dante Burton, Dean Ingram, Samar Melvin, and Alexander Smith are all uh, listed as number two cornerbacks. So I think there's going to be each can have a different skill set, and I think it'll be seen throughout different parts of, of the season for different matchups. But um, those are the ones that really kind of stuck out to me. 
So I want to get back because we're going to get to the, the secondary in just a little bit because that's a, a juicy matchup I want to save for a little bit later. The uh, Penn State fans haven't seen Wisconsin in a while, and it just is that thing of Wisconsin equals offensive line and running back. Jonathan Taylor, uh, Melvin Gordon, guys like that have been the, the bell cow backs, and now there's the split back system, and the offensive line, there isn't, uh, at least from the outside, there isn't a national name on that list that we've heard from over here. What can Penn State fans expect from that unit? Is it the Wisconsin lines of old? Are they going to be you know tough physical running up front and, and predominantly rushing? Or has the, the system changed and evolved since we saw them last? I think it was in... 2017 2018 when the Badgers came to Beaver Stadium right and that was a that was a year where I mean if you remember that the Wisconsin offensive line had like that cover on Sports Illustrated where yep. you had Tyler Biotish John Dietz and David Edwards Bo Benchwall you know and, and there are some that are in the NFL right now yep. all on that cover right and and they still lost. I mean, it was a, it wasn't a great game offensively. Jack Cohn was in that game because Alex Hornibrook was out. So it, you know, this team really, um, this line I think is going to be good for Wisconsin. I, mean, I know I mentioned the competition. I know that the injuries, but you know, you have two experienced players in Tyler beach and Logan breasts. And for that matter, Bruss, I think is the most NFL ready out of all the linemen that are available right now okay. on that line. He can, He's playing at right tackle right now. He can move out to right guard, and I think that uh, you know, or move in, I should say, to right guard. And he's he's got position flexibility. Um, I think he's the best, probably one of the most athletic lineman right now on that line uh, with what he can do. Uh, and Beach too has starting experience on both left and right tackle. I'm not worried about him out on the edge, and I, you know I think he's going to be a solid player. The interior of the line is going to be interesting, just with. Uh, you have Josh Seltzner as left guard, uh, and he's a redshirt senior. You have, I mentioned Titman uh, in the depth chart talk a little bit ago, beating out Caden Lyles and being big and physical. And I think, um, I think Mertz referred to him as a mauler today, which is what obviously you want to hear out of a Wisconsin lineman with that run game that they try to establish each week yeah. uh, during the season. But also, but Jack Nelson, I think, could be the surprise. And I think he could be the next big badger. In terms of the line, he's about 6'7", 304 at right guard, uh, which is impressive. Uh, and talked to him during fall camp, and he was really, in my eyes, you know, this is a kid that emerged in spring ball, be getting first team reps. And, you know, he, he we thought he'd be a tackle. This is his size, his weight, his athletic yeah. ability. He'd be perfect on the edge. They move him inside, and he's just, you know, a lot of people have talked about his mentality. Uh, of being and being aggressive, I think I think aggressive may be an understatement based off of just what we saw in camp and what, what we've talked to when we've heard from uh, other teammates, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So it, it, I think that line we'll see just how it, it coalesces, how it gels together. And it's the first week, right? So there's going to be yeah. bumps in a row, and yeah. both teams are going to be a little. I mean, how I'm expecting it, just with what happened last year in a truncated season, an abbreviated, modified season. I think, you know, and then going back into fans and all and whatnot and just trying to get back to a normal 12 game schedule and, and just it's the first game of the season. So there's going to be mistakes. But I, I think that line has the potential to be very good. Uh, and there is good depth behind them, too. There are con- there are ongoing competitions throughout camp. So my feeling is that, you know, they'll be there. I mean, we'll see what happens coming up. There are players that I think could play on Sundays too. It's just, um, I think Bruss may not get the recognition he deserves. And I think Nelson may just be that next player up, uh, you know, and I think 
he'd be able to be a multi-year starter, uh, which starts this year. Uh, notably, one of the young guys that is projected to be a starter that you've uh, put up a Badger Blitz, it, it, the, the, the Wisconsin depth chart is loaded with four, five, and six-year players on the top of the depth chart, especially on the defense, which, again, we'll get to here in just a little bit. But I, I got to ask you about 2020 and Wisconsin season, but specifically about Graham Mertz, because as we talked about, Wisconsin, I don't think it's any secret, they've always had that that quarterback spot has been a... a uh, somebody who's been a passenger on the offense more so than the guy who is driving the success of the team. Last year, Graham Mertz got out to a very hot start, got everyone's attention. What did you see from him last year, and what are you expecting of him this year? I mean, last year was a tale of almost two, I mean, well, it was one game and then the rest of the season. He comes out, breaks completion percentage record for Wisconsin, goes 20 for 21 against Illinois in that season opener. Ties uh, are two other records for touchdown passes in a game with five, and then also co- consecutive completions. If Garrett Groshek doesn't drop a, an easy dro- a check down pass, he, he has two records in his starting debut as a quarterback, uh, as, a, as a starting quarterback, I should say. So, I mean, that was great. But then, you know, COVID hits, there's that diagnosis. And then UWBadgers.com, this wasn't known until the spring, but he had injured his throwing shoulder. Uh, against Michigan when he returned, when they returned about three weeks later uh, when they went on the road in Ann, Ann Arbor. And, um, you know, I called him out, uh, not called him out, but I just called out the, hey, this is what this article on, on Wisconsin's athletic department site said, you know, how much did it affect you? And you saw the, you know, he made no excuses for it, uh, for that, you know, in, in his play, and it, but his play did drop, um, yeah. you know, and whatnot. And um, I forgot the exact stats on that end, but Mertz really, you know, he's also a redshirt freshman too. Uh, so there's a couple of factors behind that. One, maybe there was some injury behind it, but two, uh, he lost two of his best receivers in Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor last year. That they com- missed a combined nine games in 2020. Which in the depth behind them, you have Chimray DK, who I think is going to be a, a great number three receiver. I think that Davis Pryor and DK are going to be great coming up in 2021. Could be like the you know one of the best combinations of you know receivers you know coming up in the paul christ era but also um you know jack dunn who, who's a good hand but um you know there's not as much explosiveness out of dunn as there was davison prior uh but on top of that too uh there's no jonathan taylor so you know jack Cohn, alex hornybrook had jonathan taylor for 2017 and 2019 and that allowed defenses like you had to commit to that run Right. Or, you know, or, you know, you let them air it out. Well, you know, Mertz had to do it on his own. Uh, and that line, you know, because like the, the running game, it was there and you had Garrett Groshek, you had a, an emerging Jalen Berger, uh, who I think will still play a prominent role in this offense this year for, for uh, the latter is because Groshek's off to the NFL. But I like, you know, he's still young and he only had 15 carries each game. Uh, do you, do you feel like you. Played. Sorry to interrupt. Do you feel like you know, because of all of that stuff that you just mentioned, do you feel like you know what Graham Mertz is as far as he played uh, quite a bit last year? But do you feel like uh, is he more the guy that we saw early and then late against Wake Forest? Or is he the guy that right. we saw more in the middle once he had that injury and then the the three straight games against good defenses where the Wisconsin offense struggled? I, I know it's it might be an unfair question, but do you feel like you know which one of he he is more of one or the other? 
I think I think he's more of just what you saw against Illinois. I'm not saying he's going to throw. He's not. He's going to miss only one completion, and he's only going to throw five touchdown passes every game. But I think he's closer to the player that can. It's a, a game changer at quarterback, and that's not trying to blow smoke up anybody or just try to you know overhype a quarterback. I think he can be that quarterback. That's a you know, he was, you saw what he had. He was, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation for the 2019 class. And you saw just, he can make every throw you want out of a, not just a college quarterback, but someone more you have, he can throw a deep out accurately right where it needs to be. And you don't have to worry if it's going to be thrown on the inside. Um, he can throw a finesse pass out of the backfield for, you know, we saw that a couple times to Mason Stocky last year where he's just tossing out of the backfield and he runs in for a score from there. He can dart, you know, but then he can also dart in a pass, you know, over the middle in a passing lane that you didn't think was available. And we saw that, I think, with Jake Ferguson, but also even during spring ball, he threaded the needle on a, a looked like a corner route or just on the outside for a, a, during a red zone period where he hit DK perfectly in stride and threw it through a, you know, a perfect window. Uh, and that's what you want out of the quarterback, but he can also air it out. You know, he had Danny Davis deep uh, in stride last year for a 50 yard touchdown against Illinois season opener too. He can make all those throws that you want. Uh, and I think with another year, I think a big thing that I don't know if Penn state fans know, but Paul Christ, you know, there's Joe Rudolph, the offense, he was the offensive coordinator last year. He's now just the associate head coach and the offensive line coach. Uh, Paul's taken, you know, kind of, Paul is now taking charge of the quarterbacks and as good as John Budmeyer, I think he was uh, for the for that group. You know, he now moved on to Colorado State to be the offensive coordinator there. So a bump in, in position rather than being a quarterbacks coach. But I think Paul has that ability to develop quarterbacks. And I think having won another year under his belt as a starter and going through the hardships he went through last year with accuracy and, and dealing with injuries and, and working through a not at hundred percent health for, you know, the offense. I think, you know, this year underneath Chris and being able to, uh, we've seen jumps between year one and year two starters underneath Chris. And I, th- I think Graham's going to be up there. Uh, you know, I'm not saying he's going to throw 35 touchdown passes to only like, you know, six interceptions, but I'm saying oh. he's going to be able to, I was hoping I'm for saying some he's, hot takes. Uh, hot takes. Uh, if I will say, if prior Danny Davis stay healthy, you have them. You have Chimray DK, as I mentioned before, at wide receiver. You also have Jake Ferguson, who, if y'all don't know, is Barry Alvarez's grandson. I'm sure you'll hear that a couple dozen times during the game. I think he'll. I mean, he's one of the best tight ends in in the country, in my eyes, and can do it all from what you want from Wisconsin tight end. And then you have a resurgent run game. The offense should have that firepower. Then again, injuries and unforeseen circumstances always happen during college football. We'll see how they react there too. Uh, Before we get to the defense, one quick question. Last year, Penn State fans believed 2020 was their year with Adafi Owe, Micah Parsons leading a very talented defense and a third-year player but a second-year starter at quarterback in Sean Clifford. COVID hit, derailed all of that. This year, do Wisconsin fans feel like with all the guys that came back and the emergence of Mertz last year, or at least the perceived emergence of him this year, do Wisconsin fans feel like this is their year, their best chance with Ohio State not having a returning quarterback to be the Big Ten champion and to unseat the Buckeyes from that position? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be one of those things where expectations are are always now high for Wisconsin. 
if you don't go to the Big Ten championship game as the West division leader, I think it's I think it can be viewed as a disappointment now. And it, it's not it's it's the way the culture of the program and the winning ways. You can you can go back to when Barry Alvarez, you know, who's no longer the athletic director, but when he came as head coach in 1990 for that 1990 season and just started changing the culture there, uh, it no longer went back from like the late 80s where Wisconsin was, you know. I don't want to say laughing stock, but they're mired in debt and not uh, performing well on the field. And now you've seen just how profitable the athletic department is overall, but also just how the football program is leading the charge and winning seasons and having the expectations of going to a high end bowl game at the very least. But they want that Big Ten, you know, fans, I think you can feel that they want something more. And Wisconsin's always going to be consistent in, you know, no matter where the rankings are, they're going to be able to provide, you know, the, the fan base with, you know, good seasons, winning seasons. But you're seeing that change where they, you know, what's next? Okay, Big Ten West Championship, they've done that. You know, they've given Ohio State, you know, the past two Big Ten Championship games that they've faced the Buckeyes, it's been close yeah. uh, for that regard. Uh, you know, Wisconsin had the lead at halftime before everything fell out in 2019. Uh, which you know possibly could have put them in discussion for the college football playoff, even with two losses. Uh, but I mean, the goal I think right now is trying to reach that playoff with or without that expansion uh, that's yeah. being proposed, and whether yeah. or not that'll happen down the road. So um, I think that's the next step for Wisconsin is is getting to that point. I think this year they have the defense to do. That. We'll talk about them in a, in a little bit, but. I think they have the defense to do it. I think the offense is too. I think the offense is just a little bit more show me because of just what happened last year and just where players are and where they progressed uh, to this year. But I think you're right. We're just, you know, this is going to be something where, you know, the fans are starting to get, I'm not saying they're not unruly by any stretch of the imagination, but I also feel that, you know, they're expecting, okay, they've reached this tier a couple of times. Now what's next. Uh, and I think this yeah. team, you know, even talking to recruiting classes is that, you know, they want to, they want to take the next level too. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's always the there. There's a bit of a glass ceiling on the Big Ten because of the dominance of Ohio State, but it, it is. It feels like there's a little more uncertainty this year than previous years, which is is coming out of the West. You always have that opportunity to at least get to the Big Ten championship game and and hope something happens instead of having your fate decided in a lot of ways in October or in late September. Let's talk about that defense because there's one thing. I did some research earlier this year talking about a, a bit of a problem that the Penn State secondary has with uh, generating turnovers. But an interesting thing that I found was that the team that was best at it in the Big Ten since 2016 at generating turnovers and uh, plays on the ball, Wisconsin, and honestly, by a pretty comfortable margin. Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator, what former safety himself, NFL player, what does he do so well that makes it so that 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 play on the ball, that ball production comes out of his defensive backs? It's a great question. Where you know we've had a chance to watch Jim do what he's done now as defensive coordinator since the 2017 season, and he. The biggest thing is that you can tell that the players enjoy playing for him, first and foremost. Um, on top of that, he has this ability to – I mean, he's a great evaluator of talent, and he puts his players in positions to make plays. I think – and and he there's also, like, with the responsibility defense, like, it sounds cliche in coach speak, uh, but it's also that he allows – I mean, he keeps them within their assignments. They're doing their 111th. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, they're allowed to make plays, but they stay within their responsibilities too. And so, but I think just the way that he can create matchups, 
um, depending on the, the skill sets of his players. And I think we've seen that in the secondary as you know, where, I mean, right now, like I said, I mentioned the six players that are in the two deep at cornerback, but they have those guys uh, that, you know, can match up well. And, it, you know, for that matter, let's say for instance, in 2019 season, right. Samar Melvin, who was a true freshman at the time, started against Minnesota, but then he also started against Ohio State. That's at the end of the season. A true freshman who only yeah. played in four games kept his red shirt for that matter. So Jim, Jimmy Jimmy kept that going. Um, and then but he still started two games. Uh, and you know, I've always and whatnot. So they find they're able to find the talent and the you know the recruiting classes have been getting better for Wisconsin too. So that kind of helps now with what we could see this year, uh, even last year, but uh in the season prior. But honestly like with what Jimmy can do with his scheme and put the pressure on uh, and, and just identifying where they could attack opposing offenses. So he's got the mind for the game. And he also just is a great evaluator of what he can do with those players, you know, game in and game out. It's, it's going to be a great matchup and a tough one for a brand new offense with Mike Yersich coming in as the offensive coordinator, Sean Clifford, a recovering turnover machine is what Penn State fans are hoping of him this year. So that matchup is going to determine a lot of that. And and the question I have, just looking at the depth chart, last question about the secondary is, there's a lot of guys that are, as I said, fifth and sixth year players with that COVID year. How many of the, those guys came back because they wanted to come back? And how many of those guys came back because the NFL wasn't an option and, and they they wanted one more run at something at Wisconsin? I guess, I guess I, I'm asking, what's the talent level of those veteran guys in the secondary. Right. And I think with, uh, with Wisconsin, I mean, there are two six year players in that secondary You have Colin Wilder, uh, who's at safety. He walked on to Wisconsin after he was the, after he transferred from, he was a scholarship player at Houston and he transferred over to, um, to Wisconsin. Uh, but you also have Caesar Williams who came back for a sixth year. Um, I think they wanted to come back. I mean, I would like to think that they would wanted to come back for that sixth year, um, I'm not sure if they received it. I didn't ask if they received any talent evaluations about whether or not to, I mean, I know that the evaluators is like what first round, the mid, you know, mid or just go back to school or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think it's it was. first, second or return to school. I think that's the way yeah. it is now. Yeah. So they have that, right? And I'm like, for me, it's a, I think that group is really good um, in terms of what they can bring. I mean, Fayon Hicks, who's a fifth year player. I mean, he, he was returning. Um, as well, both those players are just, they're very solid in what they can do. And, and Wisconsin, you know, Chris could have hired another quarterback coach to replace Bud Meyer, but he went the defensive side of the ball and hired Hank Poteet, who's a 10 year NFL veteran, uh, who I believe won a Super Bowl with the Patriots too. And he, you know, so Leonard received another assistance that they, they could work on that, the cornerbacks group too, and they have a sole teacher that could be dedicated towards them. I think it's going to pay off. I think those players are good um, and whatnot. And, that, and I, it's interesting with that cornerback group just in general, because there are a lot of game ready cornerbacks where they've all had yeah. experience. They, yeah. Leonard's been, uh, it's kind of known to like go with each matchup or just players are playing better and they'll, he'll throw them in. Hey, okay. You played better this week. You're going to have that ability to go and uh, go up against the X team, you know? So, um, I do feel like, you know, especially safety group, uh, Wilder and Nelson, I think Nelson could be a really intriguing player, uh, with his six, two frame and, uh, being able to attack the ball and being able to, I think maybe a little bit more of a ball Hawk this year at safety, Colin Wilder. Uh, I remember during fall camp hearing just a thunderous crack 
uh, during uh, one of the drills and just, you know, he, he lay, you know, I mean, he didn't like wall up or like, you know, like the player didn't fall off, fall down or anything, but like just the thunderous crack of the pads and coming downhill, like you heard it throughout the Camp Randall Stadium. You're like, okay. So he brings a real a physicality to the group. I don't know if the, you know, I'm not sure if he looked into the NFL or not, but I think it was, it was good for him to come back for a sixth year, especially after the way last year ended uh, with, with the team. And even though they played well against Wake Forest uh, later on in that game defensively, um, but I think they'll have the matchups to, to work against and try to contain Penn State, but it's hard to go against, you know, uh, Dotson and you see Washington emerge last year too, who was also a Wisconsin target before he committed yeah. to Penn State. It's a, I mean, they're, they're going to have their – if they don't get pressure on Clifford and I know Penn state had 20, you know, they allowed 28 sacks last season in nine games. Uh, it's one of those things where if Wisconsin can get that pressure on Clifford, that's going to help out a lot. If not, it may be a longer day because you, it's hard to contain those type of, you know, I, I view Washington as an NFL bound player down the road. Yeah. Uh, I think two NFL caliber players at the absolute least in that wide receiver group. Yeah, and the reason I ask about the secondary is because Penn State themselves have a couple of guys that have, I think, very good NFL potential, have that high level of ability that decided to come back this year because COVID disrupted so much stuff last year. So this year, I think it's a little harder to kind of look down the roster and say, okay, so there's a fifth-year player, there's a there's a guy that's starting now for the first time and, and kind of get a gauge just looking that way. So it's always good to have a little bit more context to that, especially this year. You mentioned pressure and you mentioned the, uh, the Wisconsin Wisconsin defensive front. You've done some great stuff over at Badgers Blitz. Uh, I'm, by the way, speaking with Jake Kokorowski. He is the senior insider at Badgers Blitz, the rival site for Wisconsin. You were mentioning that the defensive line is going to do less two-gapping this year. And for those of you that don't know what two-gapping is, it's where the the uh, defensive line, usually in three-man fronts, they hold the, the offensive line specifically to allow linebackers to go then make plays, where you're playing two gaps in the offense and you're basically holding up and double-teaming instead of going to get the football yourself. So that's changed this year for that defensive line, which is, I think, a big change for Wisconsin in general. Knowing that, who are the guys up front that you think can take advantage of that and put pressure on the quarterback and can make those plays with that athleticism up front? Right, and you know, if, if those that subscribe to Badger or to Rivals overall, uh, whether it's a Penn State site or Wisconsin site. Y'all can read our subscribe, you know, our subscription, you know, premiums content. Uh, I just, just, you know, I talked to Rodis Johnson, who is going to be in the two deep, uh, probably a rotational defensive end. Uh, and he had a really good fall camp from what I heard from players and from what we saw even on the field in those open practices. He had mentioned that they're not too gapping anymore. I kind of asked, I mean, I'm going back to my articles to make sure that I'm, I'm saying it right. Uh, you always want to make sure that you're right with this, right? Uh, but it's a, for me, you know, I, I had asked, you know, two main players. You asked for two players that could really take advantage of it. It really comes down to, in my eyes, the uh, Keanu Benton, number 95, and Matt Henningsen, number 92. And the reason why is that uh, Keanu Benton could be – and I don't want to, like, overhype someone. It's something that, like – but you talk to other players during the fall camp, and, it's, you know, you ask, like, well, who's standing out, who's this, or even if you ask about the player, and they're saying just what – Benton can do and he's a former yeah. high school wrestler so he knows leverage he's yeah. a former two-time state runner-up at division one at 285 uh 285 pound weight class at, here in wisconsin so he knows how to work leverage and he's learning you know i uh if you guys go to badgerblitz.com it's for free um i wrote an article about just what people were saying about him leo chanel called him a scary site uh nick herbig the outside linebacker 
called him a menace to society and just you know, he has bad <laughs> intentions every time he throws that chin strap on. You see that out to him, and he's able to get in the backfield. We saw that often, even on pass rush. If I'm remembering correctly, pass rush drills, just one on one, you know, he was getting up field. And so, um, you know, uh, and I asked Benton last week about if there's a change in philosophy at the line. He said definitely. And he just said, uh, I said, I'm like, well, how would you describe it for, for those, that, especially for us fans, right? Where, or, you know, or I would say, I would call myself even as reporters because mm. there's all so much techni- technicality and there's stuff that those of us not putting on pads or in the game film rooms or in, you know, as a part of a team that don't know what's happening. He just, he just said that like, you know, like you mentioned, they're not, they're not eating up as much more, you know, they said last year they're eating more blocks of linebackers. Now they can either choose to do that or they can go make that play. And if they, you know, that they have, they're going to shoot for that play. They have to make it. And Henningsen had told me you know, a couple, a couple weeks before, you know, ago saying, saying they're not emphasizing on eating two blockers as much as, getting in the backfield or forward and forcing a cutback or forcing a tuck tackle for loss. So right. uh, they're just trying to make more impact lines. And I think those two would be the ones that really stand out to me that can really make that play uh, in my eyes, where they're going to have that chance to do something special. Uh, I think both of them could have NFL careers. Uh, Henningsen's a Ross Kalaji, the defensive line coach referred to him as, how do I, how do I say it? Like a genius academically and a freak athletically along those lines. And just, um, 4.0 type student, uh, electrical engineering. Uh, so he's, he's in the, you know, he's in an electrical uh, engineer, he's an engineering major, but just some of the numbers he put up, I think he had like a 415 power clean this year uh, in summer conditioning. So he, and he's just, I feel like he could be a breakout year, especially if they're allowing them to make the right reads and make a play in the backfield. Um, and, and, you know, I thought even years past, you had Alec James in 2017 at five and a half sacks. Isaiah Loudermilk, I don't know if they ever, he ever reached his potential. He's with the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. I don't know if he ever reached his potential in terms of getting to the backfield, even though I thought he could, he had that pass rush ability. So we'll see what, I think those two would be the biggest names. Uh, I think Rodas Johnson possibly in a passing down uh, could be some, someone to watch uh, on the line. Isaiah Mullins is, they call him the big tree. Henningsen told me, cause he's, I forgot how tall he is, but he's just, he's massive. He can hold up the line and I think he can make plays there too. But I think the two big ones on that line would be Benton uh, and Easton are the ones to watch, especially if they go to the nickel, which I think Leonard told reporters in the spring that, that he ran almost 70% of the time last year because of just the way offenses are in college yep. football. I don't foresee that being any different from what Penn State will bring to Camp Randall Stadium on Saturday. Should be a great matchup. That'll be a, uh, a revelation along the defensive line for Wisconsin because they've always been incredibly I think they've always been incredibly talented along the defensive line. Now, you know, making those guys a little more multidimensional as pass rushers and and penetrators, I I think that's going to be a big thing for them in this game. And one thing that one of the keys that I'm looking for as far as if Penn State can contain that defensive line. And as you mentioned, keep them away from Sean Clifford. Jake, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show today. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, thank you guys as well, and, and appreciate y'all. Just real quick too, I guess maybe I'll just since I since you have me on, just uh, this is back from like mid-August. Just for, for people that are traveling for the for the guidelines right now, this is as of, as of the sixteenth of August. All ticketed fans will be re- required to wear masks at all times when in indoor area of camp. Randall, regardless of the vaccination status, unless you're actively eating or drinking, uh, and then the mask requirement. Uh, you know, I'm going to say, oh, let me see. The masks uh, won't be required, but are strongly re- encouraged in outdoor public spaces, uh, particularly for unvaccinated individuals. And that includes outdoor public spaces, including for entry, you see concourses, concession stands, and the seating bowl. 
there too. I just want to make sure I got you guys the right info just in case you guys are making your way into uh, lovely Madison, Wisconsin this, this weekend. And that's why you're the best. Jake, anything you want to promote, by the way, anything you're doing this week that you want Penn State fans to check out, maybe get some uh, get some insight, more insight into the Badgers than they got today here with you and me in this brief window. Yeah, hopefully I haven't rambled too much for y'all. I know it's a YouTube show, so I, you know, I'm working through all this. So hopefully I haven't rambled too much that you're all like, this guy's too much, um, which I understand. <laughs> that's who I am. Uh, but if you you guys go to wisconsin.rebels.com or badgerblitz.com. That's where I write. Uh, we got a lot coming up. As I'm, as you see me doing my, with my hands, I feel like Ricky Bobby at Talladega Nights. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, I'm actually <laughs> – exactly. I'm talking here. Uh, basically, the, I am uh, right now rendering video as I'm talking to you, uh, T. Frank, about just Paul Chris press conference, Jimmy Leonard's availability, uh, play. We're going to have six other videos up. I got a notebook coming up later today. Uh, we'll have a podcast later this week, kind of breaking down matchups and, and our season picks. Uh, you know, it, we pride ourselves on giving everyone the best coverage possible out there. So feel free uh, to, you know, let us, you know, let us know how we're doing. Let's give, let's have the opportunity to earn your business too. Uh, not just uh, for bad, you know, for the Wisconsin site, but you know, Penn state, the Penn state site as well. Uh, we have some great coverage here coming for you on rivals.com. Awesome. Jake Kokorowski here with me on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We will be back again tomorrow.